um, was when it was, came time for him to have surgery to remove the tumor in his femur. Um, and I, I think as I thought about what God's experiencing the peace of Christ means to me, I think, um, I think about just when the world would tell you to have anxiety that you have a supernatural sense of peace. And um, I think that's also related to surrender. Um, you can, I think when we recognize that God is who he says he is and that he is in control and that he loves us, that um, we can experience peace and a sense of like supernatural calm when the world um, would tell us otherwise. So I think in particular when it came time to have this surgery, um, you know, we'd really never been through any medical uh, situation, um, never had surgery myself and no one in our family really has had a major surgery. Um, you know, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into, but we, um, three things that came to mind that helped us experience God's peace. One is prayer. Um, we had people praying for us just before the surgery, during the surgery, afterwards, just um, texting us that they were praying for us, joining us on Zoom, you know, before the surgery to pray for us, um, even risking during COVID, you know, praying with us in person. Um, with masks on, uh, so I think just being feeling like we had really covered the situation in prayer helped us um, experience the Lord's peace. And then secondly, um, worship music became really powerful to me during that whole experience. Um, I asked Miriam if we could play that song, The Blessing. I, I think even when we ourselves don't know what to pray, we can listen to worship music and those words can become our prayers. And so I will never forget, I listened to that song, The Blessing, probably 20 times on repeat during Paul's surgery. Like I just had my AirPods in and I would just be like, again, 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 just like willing that, those words to wash over my soul and um, just help give me peace. And then lastly, um, just community. I think throughout that, the whole cancer experience and even ongoing, um, we just had so many people here in this room and you know across Atlanta, across the country praying for Paul and cheering us on. Um, I, I, I know the slides aren't working, but um, we, I posted a picture of Paul on Instagram in my Instagram stories saying like, we're about to go into surgery, you know, please be praying for us. And um, I mean, there were probably like 40 people that either then like reshared that and asked people to pray or held up pictures of, you know, or took pictures of their kids, like holding up signs saying we're praying for Paul or pictures of, um, their kids or themselves with these bracelets that said, you know, Paul United. And so I think um, I'm not always the biggest fan of social media, but in that case, it really felt like this tangible way to like see our community um, with us, which was really powerful. And so, you know, I think um, the Lord, just those three ways are, are ways that I think we can all continue to invite the Lord's peace into any situation. And, um, you know, even now that surgery continues to wreak havoc on our lives. I mean, he is still regaining mobility from a surgery he had two years ago. And, um, but by the grace of God, he is cancer free. And so we are so thankful for that. Um, and, you know, I love to quote my friend, Catherine Wolf. She says that sometimes we have to get bossy with our souls. Um, so if we're not, you know, if we're feeling anxious, you know, and, you know, downcast, like sometimes we have to be the boss of our feelings and 
try to seek scripture and seek God's peace. Um, one verse um, that kind of speaks to that is, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So that's Psalm 42, 5. So um, that is just one example. So thanks, Miriam, for allowing me to share. That's awesome. And always such a great example of when we're able to see um, the truth of the things that we're studying lived out in people's lives. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Will you pray with me uh, before we go open God's word together? Gracious God, we thank you for a time to gather, um, to hear your word, to listen for maybe a particular word that you want to speak to our hearts today. So we pray that you would just open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. If you would like to turn on your phone or if you brought your Bible, you're welcome to turn to John 20, verses 19 through 22. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, take a moment to think about what this must have been like. Can you imagine if you were one of the disciples? They're huddled up together in the upper room when Jesus first appeared to them. We've been doing this series on the resurrection appearances of Jesus, but we haven't necessarily been going in order. So I wanted to take just a moment to kind of set the timeline for you of where we are. Um, what we just read says it's the first day of the week, which means it's actually still Easter Sunday. This is the evening of Easter Sunday. So to refresh your memory, what started out that morning was Mary Magdalene and some of the women went to the tomb with some spices to anoint Jesus' bodies, and they walk in, and Jesus is not there. Then a little bit later, John and Peter go running to the tomb as well to see the same thing, that, that Jesus' body is not there. We see later in, um, in Luke's gospel that Jesus also then appeared to two men as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. And then as they're just talking, Pam preached on this a few weeks ago, he opens their eyes and they, they realize that they are talking with Jesus. So all these things have happened on Sunday leading up to the point in the store where we are right now. The news has gotten back to the disciples through Mary Magdalene and through John and Peter that Jesus is alive. But some of them are maybe still a bit incredulous. Is this really true? Can I believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead? And then suddenly, Jesus is there in the room. Did you notice that it said that the doors had been locked? We don't know what this means, but it shows that Jesus had a resurrection body where he could just suddenly appear in a room with the doors locked. And the first phrase out of his mouth when he appears to the disciples as a group is peace be with you. Can you imagine how comforting those words must have been in the midst of their confusion, their fear, and even their hope that this possibly this news could have been true? Jesus is there with them, 
blessing them with his peace. Well, a fun little fact I discovered in my research is that this phrase, peace be with you, was actually a common greeting at the time. It would have been how people greeted each other, kind of like my son every so often walks in a room and goes, peace. Or sometimes we say, what's up? It was just a common phrase that people used to greet each other. However, in most of the Bible commentaries I read, at least, it confirmed that this statement had a much deeper meaning to the disciples in that moment. It was more than just a, hey, what's up? Here I am. Um, but rather, it was this, the words that exactly that they needed to hear in that moment, that to help calm their fears and reassure them of his presence. Have you ever been in a place where you have needed God's peace and reassurance of his presence in your life? The disciples were certainly in one of those places with their hopes dashed. Jesus had not done what they thought he came to do to free them from Rome and bring them um, this kind of victory over their enemies that they were hoping for. They devoted their lives to learning from him and following him, and he was gone. And they wondered what it had all been for. And then to top it off, did you notice it says that they have locked themselves in this upper room out of fear. Out of fear that the same people who came and killed Jesus, that they were searching for them too. They were fearing for their very lives. And they had every good reason to lock those doors and hide out of fear. But let me ask you this. What are the things in our lives today that cause us to lock the doors and hide out of fear? Maybe even metaphorically. The very first thing that popped into my mind, and probably yours too, is what we've just lived through. <laughs> when we were all locked up in our houses out of fear of COVID. Do anyone remember the days when we first, when this first happened? I don't, I don't know if anyone subjected themselves to the level of craziness that I did. When I was in my garage with Clorox wipes, wiping down every single grocery before I would bring it into my house. Anyone else do this? Was I the only one? And then when I absolutely panicked when you couldn't get any more Clorox wipes, right? And so I'm on the internet, on Pinterest, looking like how to make your own sanitized wipes with paper towels and all these sorts of things. Sometimes it feels like a million years ago that we lived through all these things. But for other, there might be some other things in our lives, um, maybe it's more subtle, that cause us to isolate, to hide, or figuratively speaking, keep the doors in our lives locked out of fear. Where does fear keep you hidden safely away? Maybe you like the idea of vulnerability. Most of us are drawn to the people who are authentic. But sometimes, fear in our lives tells us things like, you don't want people to think that you're needy or broken or flawed. It's probably just best to keep that to yourself. And so fear can keep us from truly opening up in relationships with a greater sense of depth. Maybe for you, the issue where fear keeps you locked up is around finances. Maybe you fear not having enough, and so you're always trying to earn or save more. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. Your fear is trying to keep up with those around you. You feel like everyone else is able to do more or buy more, and you wonder if you'll ever be in the same place as other people. Maybe for you, it's a need for approval. The fear that runs through your head is that you're not good enough, or you're always wondering what else you have to do to gain that sense of approval, even from yourself, or from maybe it's a boss or a friend or a family member. 
Well, my daughter Ellie went to the Taylor Swift concert last week, and I think I told you we were one of the lucky few that actually got a decent price ticket in the pre-sale, and she was overjoyed to go have this amazing experience. Well, I did not get to go to the concert, so instead I had my own little Taylor Swift party at home on the couch by watching her Netflix documentary that came out a few years ago. I was just a little late, late to that party. But it gave me this great overview into her life. But one thing that I noticed with this theme of approval, she gets really honest about how the more famous she got, the larger that need for approval grew. The fame did not calm that need for approval in her life. And then she talks about how it grew to such an extent that equally the internet criticisms got so loud that literally after that whole Kanye West debacle, she went into hiding for about a year after the internet kind of turned against her. She said because the just, it was just so overwhelming either to be seeking after people's approval or taking so personally all the people that had turned against her. And it just goes to show you how powerful that fear or that need for approval in our lives can be. When we fear sometimes that, that our, our worth or our value is based on how we, are, how, how we appear to other people. Well, maybe for you, the, it's the fear of failure, the fear of putting yourself out there and taking a risk and things not working out. Maybe you stay locked up in a job that you don't really like, or you hold back from trying something new that you've always wanted to do because it just feels safer to stay behind the locked door. Well, whatever it is for you today, the good news is that the risen Christ can appear to us behind our locked doors. No matter how scared you are, no matter how numb or locked up you feel inside, no matter how hopeless your situation might appear, just as Jesus appeared to those disciples in the upper room when they were hiding out of fear. No one should have been able to get in, but Jesus appeared anyway, and he spoke a blessing of peace over them. And Jesus desires to do the same for us and speak this blessing right where you are. Peace be with you. Well, what Jesus does next after he speaks this blessing, it's actually equally surprising. The disciples had had no hope that they would ever see Jesus again. And yeah, then the next thing you know, people are telling him that Jesus is actually alive. And then suddenly Jesus is right there with him showing them his hands and his side to prove that it's really him. And John says that they're overjoyed. When Jesus, he doesn't say, okay, well now let's throw a party or let's have another Bible study. I have so much more to teach you. Instead, he says something actually quite surprising when you think about it. He says this. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. This is the second time. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. After blessing them with peace, he tells them he's sending them out into the world. Think about that for just a moment. What are they doing? They are stuck up in a room with the doors locked because they're afraid people are going to kill them. And Jesus says, guess what? I'm sending you right back into that. Right back into your fear. Right back out into the world that you're afraid of. Because I have a greater purpose for you. I want you to go out into the world and let other people know that I came to love them too. And Jesus says that the same way that the Father sent Jesus into the world, that he wants to send his disciples. And guess who that includes? All of us. 
every follower of Jesus is sent into the world. It is not just the people in that upper room. We are called to be sent, to be Christ's representatives. And he says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. This means that we are sent in the same manner, that we are to emulate the way that Jesus was sent into the world. Things like being obedient to the will of his Father, showing sacrificial love to others, demonstrating humility. Philippians says that Jesus took the nature of a servant. We're called to share the good news of the gospel, that there is a God who loves people so much that he gave his life to be in relationship with them. And we're sent into the world to love and serve others in his name. But I think the part that sometimes we forget, or maybe we want to forget, is that for Jesus, being sent into the world meant he also entered a world where he was susceptible to suffering. I didn't realize Charlotte Marie was also going to quote one of my modern-day heroes, Catherine Wolfe. Um, she lives here in Atlanta, and she is the survivor of a massive brainstem stroke that at the age of 26 um, caused her uh, just to be confined mostly to a wheelchair. She has paralysis on one half of her face and slurred speech as she speaks. However, she was a former model. Um, now she has turned into a Christian speaker um, and hasn't let her speech impediments or any of that stop her. She has an incredible sense of humor, an amazing testimony, and she travels around the country speaking and writing books to give people hope. But Catherine is one of those people who really get suffering, and she's actually written a couple of books. Her most recent one is called Suffer Strong, and I think she has a lot of credibility to speak about that topic, given all that she has endured. But I want you to listen to what she has written in her book, Suffer Strong, about her own calling. She said, I cried out to God early on in my disability. I want to tell people about you. I always have, but I don't want to be the miracle girl in the wheelchair doing it. This isn't the life I imagined. But then I met other people in wheelchairs and their parents or spouses or siblings or kids, none of whom had ever pictured this life for themselves or their families when they were little either. Then it became clearer. These were my people. This was my calling. This chair wasn't an obstacle to my calling. It was a greater unveiling of my calling. In fact, it had become my seat of honor. As our pastor Louis Giglio has said, pain is a platform. Catherine goes on to say that we don't need to necessarily go out seeking painful experiences or trauma in our lives to be used by God. That is not, certainly not the point. But the point is, that being sent by God means that God wants to use the story you've been given, the good and the hard parts of that story, to help others know him. And just as God sent Jesus into the world, he's sending us to be his messengers, to share his hope, to remind others that there is a God who cares about them. And the unique story that each one of us has been given is going to resonate with different people. Like Catherine, God wants to use your story to impact people around you and show them what God is like. Well, I want you to just take a moment to think back to that fear that sometimes has the tendency to make you feel locked up. 
The disciples were hiding because they were afraid, and Jesus says, I'm going to send you back out through that fear and into the world because I have a greater purpose for you. What do you think it might look like to be sent back through that fear that has a grip on your heart because God has a greater sense of calling in your life? Knowing that Jesus wants to use you as his representative to follow him in the work that he is doing, to join him in any work that brings the love, peace, and hope of Christ to other people. What might be holding you back today? How might knowing that Jesus wants to send you through that fear into something greater and more meaningful enable you to take a step of action, maybe even this week? Sometimes that can start by genuinely caring for the people that God has placed in your path. Maybe it means serving in your community, reaching out to your neighbors, or asking God to just begin to use you in other people's lives, whatever that might look like. Well, I recently heard a story that I thought was a good example of what this might look like. I was a little bit hesitant to share it at first because now it means I'm going to have a reference to two different country singers in one sermon, and I'm not sure if that's ever been done, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Um, I heard this story recently about Walker Hayes. Do you guys know who that is? In case you need a refresher of your memory, that song, Fancy Like, that was on the Applebee's commercials a couple years ago, he's the guy that wrote this song. Anyway, it was the story about how he came to faith, which I thought was kind of, uh, kind of interesting. Um, but long before this um, big hit came out, he was actually an atheist, struggling with alcoholism, and completely broke. He was trying to support a wife and six children, and in a really dark place. And so his wife kind of begged him to go to church with him, with her. So he goes to church for the first time, and sure enough, the first person to greet him is the pastor of that church, who just simply said, hey, glad you're here today. Somehow the families, they had interacted in the community, and the two families just kind of struck up a friendship. They did things together. The pastor, and his name was Craig, took a genuine interest in uh, Walker Hayes' life and just started going to some of his gigs, listening to his music, affirming him along the way. Well, things went from kind of bad to worse in his life, and they were really in a bad spot. The record deal he had hoped to sign fell through, and his minivan got re uh, repossessed. So they literally did not have a car anymore that could fit the entire family. They had one little car, but couldn't fit the whole family. So this pastor, his name was Craig, and he, uh, he just, you know, they'd been in a friendship. He said to his wife, even though they had a very modest income, he's like, I think God wants us to give our minivan to them. I mean, they, don't they can't even get their family around. So he ends up approaching him and saying, hey, I really, I would love to give you our minivan. Of course, Walker Hayes was very resistant. This is kind of a hard, uh, humbling moment to have to receive such a gift. But the pastor was insistent and just said, hey, I've had people do things for me before. Please, please let me give this to you. So he, he um, hesitantly accepts the gift. Well, as their kind of friendship in, ensues and continues on, he still has not had any movement in his faith, but he feels inspired to write a song about Craig. And I wanted to just read you a few of the lyrics. He writes the song and he sends it to the pastor, but listen to these lyrics. It says this, I met Craig at church, at a church called Redeeming Grace. It's like he understood, I don't, he understood my I don't want to be here face. I fell out of place and I smelled like beer, but he just shook my hand and said, I'm glad you're here. He says, 
we'll all be judged, but he was never judgmental. Even though my songs don't belong in no hymnal. He'd quote me my lyrics, slap me on the back, said, man, you've got a gift. How'd you write like that? Yeah, I know, he sounds cool, right? Not your typical kid from Sunday school, right? I still ain't figured out church yet, but Craig, I get. I love that. And I love what a picture that can be of what it looks like to just genuinely befriend someone. What I think is also incredible at that, about this story is that Walker Hayes didn't know that this guy, Pastor Craig, had actually been in a really discouraged time in his ministry. He was wondering if you know, he was called to even be doing this anymore. And when he heard the song, when he gets the song from Walker Hayes, he says this, he goes, I was absolutely undone. I lost it. I was just a puddle of tears. I couldn't talk. I sat there stunned, you know, overwhelmed, speechless. At that moment, I felt like God was singing over me through my unbelieving friend, Walker, and I was gone. And I had this peace that the Lord was saying, I've got you right where I want you to be. And the, this, this story, I think, is such a beautiful example of reciprocity in a genuine friendship. There is no sense, when we talk about being sent, I think sometimes we have this idea that it's this coercive way we're out there to like convince people to believe what we what we believe there was nothing coercive in this it was simply a genuine friendship of somebody trying to demonstrate christ's love to someone else and then there's the spirit of reciprocity of being open to the friendship and actually to the place where this person is able to minister to walker to um, the pastor's life as well and of course that's not the end of the story Walker's friendship with Craig caused him to do some soul-searching. He, he read a Christian book and even started reading the Bible for himself, and he finally got to the place where he went up to Craig and told him that he had decided that he believed in Jesus too. And Walker says this about the friendship. I think God was trying to show me Christ in another human, and I'm so grateful for that. That's what it means to be sent to go out to the best of our abilities through prayer and through befriending people to show Christ to people around us. And just like Jesus appeared to the disciples, the risen Christ wants to appear to us today, to bless us with his peace and to send us out. But there's an important last step before they're sent out. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't send them out in their own strength. He gives them his Holy Spirit to empower them. And we, too, are given the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the reminder of God's presence with us no matter what we face, to empower us to move past our fears out into the world with a greater sense of calling. Well, the author Jenna Lucado tells a story of her visit to the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, Turkey. You may know this is a famous um, landmark. It used to be a Christian cathedral that then was turned into a mosque, and then for a period of time it was turned into a museum. And that's when Jenna went to visit it. And they'd restored some of the Christian um, mosaics and relics that were originally in this cathedral. One of these in particular was over what's called the Imperial Door, which emperors walked through. And during this time, as a museum, about three million people a year would come, tourists, to come visit and walk through this door. And on it is a picture of Jesus sitting on a throne of jewels, and in his hands 
he is holding a scroll. And on the scroll it says, Peace be with you. I am the light of the world. Well, Jenna writes this about her experience um, going through this door and seeing this mosaic. She says, I wonder how many people over the centuries have actually looked at those words and received the invitation. Peace. Not just any peace. God's peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And just as this peace frames the doorway of the Hagia Sophia, so it frames our hearts if we will allow it. It's a peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ. And friends, this is the peace that Christ wants to offer all of us today. The invitation is there for us. Will we look up and not only just see the words, but truly receive them as Jesus's blessing over us today? The risen Christ says to you, peace be with you. And may the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, and then send you out into the world by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen.